Good morning, Rochester. Good morning, Syracuse. Good morning, Buffalo, Conneaut, Ohio. And that's about it for as far as where people listen from. But good morning. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. I think I'm going to be able to do a lot more interviews now. Because today's guest, Stromy, Chris Lindstrom, introduced me to a new podcast software uh, that uh, records me on my computer and you on your computer and then afterwards sends you the two audio files as separate uh, files. I'm getting a little nerdy here in two inside baseball, but uh, that is the dream for somebody who has to then edit this stuff. So yeah, yeah, I know. So I think what you're going to hear is a pretty good quality podcast here. And when I say quality, I mean the actual audio. Uh, Stromy's great. I don't know about my personal quality from a content standpoint, but the actual quality of the audio is good. And we were in two different areas. And so two different places, I should say. This was a remote interview. So I am excited. Excited, I say. Um, Before we get to the interview, a couple things to tell you about. Travel agent Guglielmo here to report to you that I am in the process of planning a vacation because we uh, should be about a week or two from now, we should be heading to Florida. But we are not due to COVID. And that sucks. And a lot of people, I think, can relate to the idea of canceling a vacation due to COVID. And uh, basically what I did is I was thinking about it. And two years from now, I turned 40 years old. At the same time, two years from now, my mother turns 70 years old. And my sister-in-law turns 25 years old. So you have three somewhat milestone birthdays all within about a month of each other and so being a little bummed out about not getting to go on vacation this year because that honestly that one week in florida every year really just breaks up the winter so nice and and kind of just helps you you know you get to spend january and february knowing that you get to escape this at some point and then march you get to go spend your week in the sun and then you come back and you got another month or so of cold but at least you had had that one week off and it's just so nice and not having that this year sucks but it's good because now i've got the craft cannery so i have my business and so it's actually if you're going to miss a vacation this would be the year to do it because i don't know how the hell i was going to miss an entire week of work so it kind of works out okay anyway to get to the point knowing that we have these three milestone birthdays coming up i had this idea and i pitched my mother my brother all my in-laws, my wife, and even a few extended family members. Let's do a family cruise in two years. And everybody so far has said, I'm in. And I get how things work. You know, I'm sure everyone will be in until the last like three months and then three months out, you know, one or two will drop off. I get it. But if we can get, you know, a group of like 20 people ready to go on this cruise, you got to imagine... Maybe 25% attrition, a couple people will last minute bail, but you know, hopefully most people still go and it should be a blast. I would love to. I mean, I've been on two cruises in my life and I loved them both quite a bit. And the idea, the only thing making it better than going on a cruise with your loved one is going on a cruise with a whole bunch of loved ones. So I am excited about that. Uh, If you're wondering exactly what cruise, I'm partial to Royal Caribbean. And uh, my favorite ship is the Oasis class, specifically the Oasis of the Seas. So I'm thinking we're going to do like a seven-night 
Caribbean, you know, Mar early March, leave from Miami on the Oasis of the Seas. That's the one I got picked out. I like it. And actually, Royal is getting ready to release their 2023, which is what this would be, getting ready to release their 2023 schedule. I think right at the beginning of March of 2021, they're usually about two years ahead on their cruises that you can book. So uh, that should actually, we might be able to book that pretty soon. The other, the, the only other story I have to tell you real quick before we get into the podcast here is um, I, for the first time in my adult life, had to go to the emergency room. Now, I've been to urgent care before, and I think as a child I may have been brought to the emergency room once or twice. I don't know. My mother will be able to tell you that, but I actually drove myself to the emergency room this week, uh, and it turned out, you know, to be a, an embarrassing sort of false alarm, but here's what happened. So a couple of years ago, I got a hernia and it's, if you've ever seen a hernia, it's just like a little, a little bulge in your stomach. And I have a, a belly button hernia and it's a minor little thing. And I told my doctor about it and a few years ago, what he told me. And I, I remember exactly when it was, it was when Ryan was pregnant with Leo. So it was about three years ago. Um, doctor told me, you know, it's a hernia. If it's not bothering you, you don't have to really do anything about it eventually one day you will need to get that taken care of but it, it's not a huge rush not an emergency if it's not bothering you don't bother it right and every once in a while I would bump it up against something and it would hurt for a minute but it would always go away well since I've been getting in better shape which is one of the topics of this podcast once uh, Stromi and I start our interview but as I got into better shape because I've been trying to get into better shape. I've been doing the treadmill every morning. Well, I go down. I do my 45 minutes on the treadmill Friday morning. And the 45 minutes goes just fine. But when it comes time to get off of the treadmill, I step down off the treadmill. And I feel as though I've been stabbed in the stomach. I just, you know, I have this sudden, like, just shooting pain. And it's coming directly from my hernia. And I know what's going on, you know, I mean, um, right away, I just, I know, like, oh my God, I think I ruptured my hernia. And so, you know, to make a long story short, I sort of struggle around the first floor of my house then for a little while. I'm, I'm walking around, I'm limping, I'm trying to like, I'm waddling around, I'm trying to see if I can walk it off. It's just not getting any better. It just hurts like hell. And so I finally, I get in the car and I kind of circle the block a couple of times thinking like, you know, is this the right thing? Should I be going to the... Should I go to the emergency room? Am I, you know, am I kind of blowing this out of proportion? I don't know. So I, I get out of my car and I walk around a little bit and I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like, you know, I don't know if this is a false alarm or not. But one thing I do know is I can't live my life this way. If this is permanent, <laughs> you know, I'm fucked. And if it's not permanent, even if it's temporary, like I can't go to work today. I can't. I can't go about my life this way. This is this is going to make it... This is not an ignorable pain. Let's put it that way. I better go just in case I did some real damage. So I go to the emergency room. I'm in quite a bit of pain still. They get me right in because, you know, they're looking at this going, well, this could be an emergency surgery situation. So they get me right in. Uh, doctors... By the way, if you've ever been to the emergency room and noticed that for the three hours you were there... You basically had 10 minutes face-to-face -face with a doctor. Well, if you're there with a, a true emergency, like emergency surgery, they're a little faster. So I got in, and I had a doctor see me within just a few minutes. So that was that was the good news. Um, and they're pressing on my stomach, and, you know, and I'm saying, yeah, it hurts like hell. I'm in a lot of pain. 
And uh, so finally, you know, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. I can't get comfortable. They say, try and, and lay down. Just try and lay down. And they start telling me about surgery. You know, they start explaining to me what hernia surgery is going to look like. And, you know, we think you'll sleep in your own bed tonight because it's early. You know, it's Friday morning. This is like 6 o'clock in the morning. And they're telling me... Um, you know, you're going to sleep in your own bed tonight. You're going to you're going to be off your feet for a couple of days. You'll be back to yourself in about six weeks. For six weeks, you can't really lift much. But, you know, but as of next week, we think you can be up and about and walking around and probably even return to work. You just can't exert yourself. So anyway, I'm laying down. I'm thinking I'm going into surgery. I'm not sure, you know, who I should call, what I should tell, what, what kind of arrangements do I need to make for these last for this last little while now. You know, remember, I own two businesses. I have a family. I've got family in Ohio. Like, I mean, people need to, I need to kind of get my affairs in order here, and I've got a little while to do it. So I'm starting to think about what my plan of attack here is going to be. And suddenly, and by the way, I'm trying to calm down as well. So I'm like scrolling through Facebook, just looking for any mind-numbing thing. I'm reading like the top five box office bombs of all time, you know, just trying to find shit to keep my mind off of this. And all of a sudden, it occurs to me, it kind of doesn't hurt anymore. And I start feeling my stomach, and I'm like, what? Actually, it, it doesn't hurt anymore. And so finally, I'm like to the nurse and the doctor. I go, hey, guys, I am embarrassed, but it doesn't hurt anymore. And they're like, well, oh, and at first, they didn't believe me. Like, at first, I think they thought that I was just nervous about surgery and, like, trying to lie to them to get out of surgery. So the first thing when I tell them it doesn't hurt anymore is they go, sir, you know, this surgery is very easy. It's very routine. Hernia surgery is not a, is not a difficult surgery for most people. There's some recovery. But, again, we think you'll be uh, sleeping in your own bed tonight, and, and you'll be just fine. Um, and then I told them, you know, because I realized what they think. And then I told them, I go, no, I'm, I'm serious. I, I feel perfectly fine here. And so the doctor comes over and does a bunch of pushing on my stomach again and you know basically discovers that uh I'm not lying because the pain is really not bothering me at all and um <laughs> so they they kind of they they leave for about a half hour and they go well, we're just going to leave you for about a half hour here and uh we'll come back we'll check on you and if you're still feeling better then we'll change the game plan here so they leave and in that half hour I'm like I'm realizing I'm back to myself now. You know, I'm feeling just fine. And eventually, just to fast forward, a couple hours later, doctor ends up telling me what he's pretty sure happened is that I had uh, a piece of my intestine sticking through my hernia hole, and it got pinched in there, and that that would have required emergency surgery, and possibly even worst-case scenario if that intestine had been severely damaged could have even required to the point where they would have had to remove a part of the intestine, which which then would be a, a, a bit of a more serious recovery and, and in some ways maybe not even ever a full recovery because that would give you stomach issues forever. So anyway, um, he told me he thought that maybe the intestine had just kind of just kind of gone back to gone back inside, you know, like maybe my laying down had put the intestine in a position where now it was able to just go back inside and and I, so for that reason, I was fully recovered, and, and it was a miracle. It was like what you dream of when you go to the emergency room. It's like, please just make it all go away, and then next thing you know, it all goes away. It's like, holy cow, unbelievable. 
So anyway, uh, that's it for me. I'm going to shut up. Let's get to the podcast. Chris Lindstrom, my friend Stromy, is the host of the Food About Town podcast. He is one of Rochester's best and, and in my opinion, most expert food foodies. This is an encyclopedia of food. And while we do talk food here a bit, we're also going to talk about lifestyle changes, which is something he did a while ago and something I'm in the middle of trying to make happen. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about his history as well. And, of course, talk about food, uh, his side project, Passion Project, frankly, and, uh, and, and a new uh, thing that he's offering called Curate, which I think is a really cool idea, which you'll learn a lot more about in the podcast. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. everyone. As you'll hear in a second, Paul caught me on a little bit of a false start in the beginning of this episode, and I wanted to let everybody know that the next delivery for Curate, my new delivery service where we're bringing mystery meals to your door from small businesses all over Rochester, is released on Friday, and we only have 20 deliveries that we're doing, so check out curatemeals.com or go to your favorite social media and find us at Curate Meals. Hope you check it out and enjoy the rest of the episode. I am, uh, I'm sorry about keeping you waiting, by the way. No worries. I um, was doing the ultimate weight loss technique. Which is, uh, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to separate record just in case something goes wrong. Oh, that'd be great. Thank you. The, um, the pooping. I've found to be an excellent way to lose weight fast. Oh, absolutely. If I, do, if I could just do that all day, I think this could go this could go pretty well. Yeah, I mean, and not eat anything. But the the stress of knowing that you were sitting here for a few minutes waiting for me actually made it harder to like <laughs> carry on in there. Yeah. And it reminded me of a time when I was on vacation with family and there was like a dozen of us and uh, I excuse myself to use the restroom and within about 30 seconds, somehow everyone decides it's time to leave this place. And my wife just starts furiously texting me. <laughs> I hear everybody waiting outside the restroom and it's just so embarrassing. <laughs> She's furiously texting me going, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Everyone Which is the pooping. easiest way to make things go faster, of course. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. She loves it when I do that to her, by the way. Anytime <laughs> I tell her, hurry up, hurry up. It, it goes without saying. <laughs> Yeah, it was really, really smoothly. So anyway, thanks for doing this, man. This is awesome. Of course. I was listening to your podcast, and uh, I love this idea. The uh, the curate idea? This is, yeah, this we're, is phenomenal. Yeah, we're, we're really excited. Um, it's, uh, it's actually, it's kind of a great time for this. So, of course. Um, what is uh, it second. exactly? You're gonna, you are going to actually pick my meals is that how it works you're gonna you, i'll give you money and then you go out and get uh, uh food from a local restaurant and bring it to me basically yeah that's great sorry are you are you officially going right now or not <laughs> am i what am i pooping right now no are you are you recording right now i mean oh, are yeah. we started <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah sorry I, I still have some of my old radio techniques where i just hit record and don't tell anyone i've hit record no that's <laughs> So I'm, I'm over here trying, I'm over here trying to do, trying to do proper radio backups. You know, this is coming from somebody who would probably would have cared about an on-air sign and breaks and everything else. 
And now he's recording me trying to get set up, trying to get set up to do backup <laughs> recordings. You know, the professional over here. And now this is what I get. <laughs> But you're, but you are, but see, this is the difference though. I was a dumb, uneducated radio guy and aren't you, you're in real life. You're actually like a genius. I mean, everyone knows you're a food genius, but what is your actual day job again? Remind me. So my day job, um, I've been a project manager in automation for, oh geez, uh, eight, eight or nine years now. Uh, so we build uh, large automated systems that, uh, assemble automotive, medical stuff like that. Um, and I'm actually transitioning out to be the uh, company's compliance manager and master scheduler. <laughs> okay, starting so see now. what I mean. You're a baby <laughs> genius. You're like you. You think about the things that us dumb radio folk never thought about. So for me, it's like hit record. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I enjoy I, I enjoy the day job. Um, it's it's rewarding. I work with a lot of really smart people. Um, my favorite part, which dovetails into everything I do is relationship building is, you know, being as efficient as possible, coming to quick conclusions, um, working with a lot of different people and learning how to work with them to make everybody better. Um, which is kind of what I do with everything I do is how do I work with different people? How do I transmit information in a way that's usable for everybody? What did you want to actually do when you were growing up? Like if I talked to you when you were a teenager, what would you have said you wanted to be when you grew up? Uh, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I was more inside my own head and worried about, um, worried about the fact that I was, you know, an incompetent teenager. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, I was more worried about the fact that I didn't know how to have friends or have any ability to talk to girls or shower regularly. I wasn't worried about that, but I should have been worried about that. Have you gotten all three of those things under control? I mean, I, I feel much better that. about that now than I did then. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> what was that? Was that diff- was it difficult? Did you have a tough childhood then? Because you you grew up in a, a family, if I remember correctly, they were business owners, right? Yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't call it difficult. Um, it's specific. So um, I wouldn't. I don't think it was difficult in that you know we had you know, we were lower middle class. We had, we didn't have much. We had a house that was falling and is still falling apart. Um, <laughs> uh, we had, uh, but I had two loving parents. My dad stayed home, was a serial entrepreneur, did multiple different things. And we always had support. And the things that were pushed on us were good education. Um, math came really easy to me. So to be completely honest, as you know, you learn the work ethic, you learn the other stuff. School never really interested me that much, although I was pretty good at it. It was just like, oh, I have to do it. So I did it. I had a whole year where I didn't do homework. Were were you one of those kids who who was actually so smart that school was boring for you? Was that the idea? Uh, I wouldn't call it that. It's just that it was some things, you know, I don't say this with any like gloss or anything else. Like math came easy to me, right? Some people have to work really hard at it. And it's not that I'm like that smart, but I have a, my memory for things. I mean, how many times have we talked about food and my memory for places for, you know, the way things are supposed to be is I I just remember a lot of things. So for me, it was just like, oh, I just remember that. It's not that I I knew everything, but I just remembered it. 
how was your father's success? What was his hit ratio like on his serial entrepreneurism? Was he hit after hit? Did he have a hit, a failure, a hit, a failure? I mean, what, what happened? Um, it was always, it's always small family businesses. So nothing of scope or scale. So when I was a kid, it was tax. Uh, he did, uh, he was an accountant. He actually had a degree from Buff State, if I remember correctly, in economics or accounting, something like that. And uh, he was a accountant for, you know, a small time accountant for people. Um, we started selling sports cards out of the house. So there's a little area of the house that was our sports card and Magic the Gathering and that kind of stuff shop cool. that I kind of partially ran for, you know, middle school and high school. What was the most uh, valuable card you ever laid eyes on? Oh, geez. I mean, we had, we had a lot of the big stuff. Uh, I'm sure we had, uh, we had some of the, like the big early sports rookie cards, you know, stuff into yeah. the, you know, low thousand hours probably. Do you um, remember that guy who used to have infomercials on late at night? I don't know if it, I grew up in Ohio, so I don't know if you had it around here, but he would come on late at night and he had all these cards and he'd be like, this is a jam mint tan. Oh God. You yes. I do remember that. <laughs> oh, I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, we were, again, we were small time. We had some good stuff and yeah. you know, we still do, but you know, we were never, we were never that big. This was out of our house, uh, but we went to all the shows. Um, we had, we ran Magic the Gathering tournaments out of our garage. Um, yeah. I mean, we it was grinding, you know? It was just, how, how do we get by? Uh, my mom was and still is a nurse at uh, uh, Mercy Hospital in Buffalo. Uh, so that kind of sustained a lot of things, but we did sports cards, and then we caught on. Um, we, we went to the Springville auction in the summer times. So this is a small-town farm auction. So you animals but piles and rows and rows of junk that were for sale every, I think it was Wednesday when the weather was on and for whatever, I don't remember what the Genesis was, but we bought our first plants uh, from the Springville auction and sold them on our front lawn. Oh, I love stories like that. That's how it started. Yeah, no. That yeah. Part. And then we did, we did that and our first Christmas trees, I think came from the Springville auction. Uh, we just uh, had our 30 year, um, anniversary of selling Christmas trees. So it happened when I was a kid in elementary school. I love the, uh, the family dynamic though. I love because your mother is obviously also very smart, very driven. She's worked hard and she's earned this career as a nurse, which is, which is a steady sort of conventional job. Right. And then your father, I just wish I could have been there some of those nights for the pitches that your father had to make to your mother <laughs> of going like, <laughs> hear me out. We are going to, have you ever heard of Magic the Gathering? <laughs> yeah. 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 Or you know, because I've been in that position before. I've had to pitch my wife and be like, hear me out. We leave the career and we start putting sauce in jars. What do you think? <laughs> you know? And like it takes a certain type of spouse to set to look at their spouse and go, Okay, I'm with you on that, as opposed to shut up and get a job. Right? Yeah. I, I think yeah. it I think it's it was also evident that my dad would never have the ability to work for somebody else. Um, it's just not in him. I don't think he could do it. Um, it, it's, it's just not who he is. Um, and it's, it never would have worked if he worked for somebody else. He had to do his own thing. He had to do it his way. You know, and that comes from, you know, childhood and everything else, but it was never going to work. So he had to do something, but it's grown over the years where now we do, um, we have our own greenhouse, 
uh, greenhouses. Uh, we have our own Christmas tree farm and we, um, we grow almost all of our own plants, uh, Easter plants, uh, hanging baskets, vegetables. Um, we're growing more and more of our own Christmas trees. That's awesome. And it's like, it's actually, it actually means something now versus like, oh, we're trying to grind to get anything going. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, he, he had a, a major hit that, that this is a major hit, this one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. again, when it comes to major, it's so relative. Like, He's making, sca- honestly, you're so right that it's relative, but honestly, like paying your bills with your, you know, crazy idea, you know, and I don't mean to say that's crazy at no, all. I mean, God is. knows, but when you're an entrepreneur, like they're crazy ideas, even if they're somewhat conventional, which his is a pretty conventional idea, but it's still, I'm going to go do this. It just the ability to pay your bills with that is a success and it's a hit in and of itself. Yeah. And I think the big challenge is that it was, you know, that we, we had our financial difficulties. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like I said, I, I looked at some of the home videos when I was a kid um, you know, I get a lot of my diversity of interests from my dad. He's, you know, he's a tech guy. He loves sports. He loves all different kinds of things, varied interests. So I get that bounce around from him. But I mean, we had our financial difficulties. I think we went bankrupt when I was a kid. Um, yeah. But you know what? You, what else are you going to do? We kept on going. We worked harder and we got better. You know, we, yeah. we never lacked for food like my dad did when he was a kid. And we're better than he was and better than he is. You know, he's, he has his own issues, um, but the kids were all better than he is. And that was his goal in life for for us to be better. And we're all, we all have our issues from growing up in a family business and dealing with the hardships of doing that. But some of them are really positive. Some of them are less positive, but you know, his goal was for us to be better than him. And we are, we're definitely better than him. What, uh, what did you, what part of you is your dad and what part of you is your mom? Mm. So when it comes to the part of me, that's my dad is I love trying new things. <laughs> I love trying new things. I love, I love technology. Um, I was a sports nut for a long time and it's, I, I get onto things and I bounce between different things. So I definitely get some of that from him. Um, he's a really smart guy and he comes to decisions really quickly. Um, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're wrong, but he only does things his way. And that's where we diverge. Um, that's not, you know, that's the lesson I learned from him is that only doing things your way. Isn't the right way to build consensus. Isn't the right way to actually work with other people. And, you know, he's softened over the years. He's 60, you know, 65 now or 64, so he's softened, but you know, it was, there were a lot of hard times because it only could be his way. And that's the only way it could be. And that's where I diverge. And that's where I get more to my mom where she's more, you know, um, emotionally tied into what other people are thinking and feeling. And, you know, I had more emotions when I was younger. I didn't know how to deal with them. Um, you know, I had anger issues at other stuff and it took time to learn to balance all that out. And now I can go back and look at, Oh yeah, my, my mom had some of that, but it was difficult where we were all, it was a harder time to think that way, especially when you're younger and you got like hormones and shit. What, uh, 
what do you, you said that they're proud of you now. Obviously, they're proud of you now. I mean, look at how successful you are. You have a beautiful home. I've had the pleasure to visit. You are you're doing really well. And and the thing is, you're one of those people I love because you're you're like doing really well in several different areas, right? You've got your day job, and then also your reputation as a as a. Uh, I don't. What do I call you these days? I I know you guys don't like foodie. I, I'm sure you probably yeah. don't want the word influencer, right? I, no, I'm I know definitely a lot not of you don't love that. I'm I'm bad I'm bad at social media. Um, yeah, I, I've you know I had I have a little bit of a following there, but I'm bad at it. Like I'm no Steph Hannah. I mean, she's so good at it, and she's I'm good, isn't not. She? Yeah. And it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's not that she's just naturally good at it. It's a lot of work that she puts into that. Um, I'm not good at it. Uh, I don't put a lot of work into it. So I probably missed out on some of that stuff. But what 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 am I? I, I don't even know what I am anymore because I'm. You know, I'm enjoying starting recording the Food About Town podcast again. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just passionate about these things. Um, so I I've, I've still have the Food About Town podcast. I'm recording that. I'm starting recording again. Um, it's been a lot of, uh, lot of work the last couple of years uh, in my day job. I was traveling a lot uh, out of state and a very stressful job. So I haven't been recording as much, but now I'm back and I'm starting to record. Uh, you helped me get connected and hooked up. I bought myself a new mixing board, so thank you. <laughs> nice. All right, good. <laughs> um, and uh, I've been recording a podcast with my buddy George Catalo um, uh, called "In Good Spirits," where we talk about um, we talk about you know usually re- we kind of review one or two different spirits in an episode and talk about you know whiskey and gin and different things, but from a I'm just interested. I, I love learning about these things. Uh, he's more of an industry guy. Uh, he works. Uh, he works at Parkway Wine and Spirits, but he also has um, his own consulting and everything else. So I'm learning a lot there, and it, really loving that. What, where did your travels take you for the job? Oh, I was what, in what Milwaukee. Uh, I spent over 20 weeks in Milwaukee last year. Wow, I know yeah. that would probably. Even you gotta appreciate Anheuser Busch. Did you do any tour or anything like that? No, they- I didn't even no. think about going there. <laughs> Come on, you're too <laughs> hip to go to. An- even I, I think that would be kind of cool. But no, I, you know what? I'm more, I'm more of a nerd than I am hip. I just can't. I don't, I don't do almost anything macro uh-huh, when it comes to it. beer or spirits. <laughs> um, I have a few here that are macro. I've actually been growing my cabinet so I can have people over. I have. I've like doubled what's in my liquor cabinet. <laughs> what what is what have you had that is uh, is macro you know big business that you begrudgingly have to admit? Damn it, that's actually pretty good. Mm, that's tough. Now, when it comes to that stuff, I think I look back to snacks as the big thing for me. Oh, you were a Doritos guy, right? Oh you yeah, Dor- Doritos yeah, guy. Yeah. And right now, because I'm because I'm a I'm a pesky vegan now. Uh, right. I don't eat Doritos anymore, but it's um, popcorners. Uh, popcorners, mm. the kettle flavor is, oh, I just <laughs> inhale a bag of those at a sitting without even thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that's, we should probably talk about getting healthy because you, in the last couple of years, you underwent a bit of a transformation. Yeah. Take me, and I'm, I'm at the beginning of one and I hate even talking about it because honestly, oh, for I've sure. done some diets before in my life and they've worked, but they've always failed after they worked. Right. Yep. I've, man, I have lost and gained 40 pounds like three times in my adult life and it just sucks and this time is i'm trying of course you know every time is different this time's got to be a little different and this time i'm approaching it as more of a lifestyle change as opposed to any type of deprivation so basically there's literally nothing 
that I can't have. It's just that I'm not having it. <laughs> and if I am going to have it, it's going to be once in a great while. And that's and I, you know what I'm talking about is things like I'm still kind of guy who loves I love ice cold Pepsi. I love pizza. Mm. I love you know, I, I hate to say it, but man, I'm, I, I'll hit that McDonald's drive through once a week and, and that shit's got to go. It's got to go. But I think mentally the way I'm trying to approach it this time is I'm not lying to myself and telling myself that it's never again. I'm telling myself that's got to be a once or twice a year type thing. I, that's where I'm going with it. I yeah, think. it's I, I've done it so many different ways um, and I've struggled with it since I was in high school. Um, you know, I was. I was a big guy. I did weight, you know, weightlifting and throw shot put and stuff in high school because that was the easy way. And I actually, I'm able to like lift weights and get strong pretty easily, uh, at least when I was younger. Um, but it was like, it was something to build confidence and something to learn how to, you know, how to do that stuff. But I was always big and, you know, big and for lack of a better way of saying it, you know, I carried a lot of, I carried a lot of weight. I was fat in a lot of ways. Um, and that continued throughout my whole twenties, uh, thirties, everything else. Not that I'm not now, but it was, I, I tried so many different things. I went through the, like, oh, this is the bodybuilding way you eat, mm. you know, six small meals a day mm -hmm. and it's only chicken, you know, grain and vegetable. That's yeah, all you eat. Yeah. I did that. I went through a whole summer where I basically did nothing but ride my bike to the U of R gym from the apartments where the graduate students live. Uh, I, I spent a whole summer basically just doing that six days a week, you know, not eating right. enough and then going to the gym six days a week. Do you find at the end of that, you know, cause that works for a short period mm -hmm. of time, right? You stay, the weight comes off and you're for feeling sure. great. Do you find, because this is what I've always found, do you find that eventually you break down and you go, oh, fuck it, and you just kind of revenge eat for like three weeks? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. And I did that a few times. Yeah, and it's it's really hard because it's I've done it so many different ways, so many different times, and it was, I, I don't know why this, this time feels more sustainable to me versus everything. I mean, I was up at, um, when I started, I was up into... 245 at five foot just under five foot ten. Oh bro i don't even want to tell you my number i'm a little taller than you but my first number was a three buddy yeah and it's it yeah. really it hurts to see it especially yeah. when you know you've done it before and that it's not like you don't think about it we all think about it we think about it a lot and it it's awful to think about all the time right Right. Uh, the problem, though, that I have noticed other people, and this is really where I want to pick your brain, man. Mm. How do you get over or start to hate bad food? Because my wife is like that. My wife hates unhealthy food. She hates it. I cannot mentally get to the point where a cheeseburger sounds disgusting to me. I can't yeah. get there. I don't hate bad food. Um, and that's part of the consistent issue. Like, I, I let me tackle it in two different parts. I want to tackle the vegan part, but mm -hmm. tackle the bad part first. Um, I still eat garbage, um, and probably too much. And which is why I'm, you know, you know, 15, 20 pounds over where I was earlier at the start of this, um, in March of last year. 
well, there's a little pandemic that happened in the middle there that kind minor of concerns, a lot of yeah. pe- to, to give you a little excuse there. I mean, that was certainly yeah. a curveball for everybody yeah. and their health. But, you know, getting getting down, it was I still ate bad food, but I did it more sparingly. Like you're talking about, like, mm-hmm. all right, instead of, you know, drinking, you know, I was going home after every day and having at least a beer, having something every night. And it wasn't a lot. I never felt like it was it was never out of control in any way, but it wasn't necessary. I went curling and I had one or two and I had popcorn and I had, you know, something else. Well, it wasn't necessary. So I started cutting out some of that unnecessary and that's where the big improvements happened. But it was, I'm struggling with that right now. I'm eating more snacks more often uh, because I have it. I'm here in the house. I can't go out. So you know, go after it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's tough. I, that that old adage of like, don't buy it. Like when you're at Wegmans, oh God, yeah. you can't buy the 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 Doritos because if they make it into the house, they're making it into the belly. So don't let them in the house to begin with. Yeah, that <laughs> night. And it's. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the part that I still can't wrap my mind around is, oh, somebody can buy that and they'll be in the house for a week. Yes, I'm married to one of those. I don't oh, know how no. she does it. How do you do it? Like she'll buy Oreos and eat an <laughs> Oreo. And I'm like, who are you? Who eats a Oreo? <laughs> I mean, really a bag is a serving regardless yes. of the bag size. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, that is a consistent problem. Um, but for me, what's actually made the most difference is, um, you know, I started, I had started edging out meat for the way I cooked at home for a while. This was September 18, um, September 19, sorry, 19, uh, something like that. You know, like September 2019. I think it was because I saw you at rock holiday village that year and you had, you were looking really, really good. And I think it was still kind of new, right? It yeah. was just a few months in. Yeah. Yeah. And that was where I started going much harder. Uh, and I was still having cheese. I'd say once, once or twice a week. And I think at some point I may start doing that again. I don't know. Uh, but what, what was, what worked for me, and this was both, I think from a health perspective and from a moral, moral ethical standpoint, I found this is the right decision for me. I do well with whole grains. I do well with a lot of vegetables. It does restrain me from going after certain things. Like I can't go through the fast food drive throughs anymore. I, I can't tell you how many times I made the, you know, 11 o'clock Wendy's drive through four for four and ate it in the car and threw it in the garbage can before I came inside because I felt ridiculous Yeah, for putting it, it inside Absolutely. the inside garbage can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it cuts out some of that stuff, but it requires more work. Uh, this weekend, uh, I used my 25-quart stainless steel stock pot. I bought at Restaurant Depot. Nice. You have I a made, membership at the depot? Oh, yeah. I, I got an oh. account now. <laughs> nice. uh, I used my wife's tax ID to get it. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, but I made, I'd say, 18 lunches, three-cup lunches at one time. So this 25-quart stock pot was two-thirds full. But it took me three and a half hours to cook all that stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so I do more meal prep. Um, I look ahead a little bit more. Um, and then also I think personally, I feel much better about 
living my values when I say that I think it's the right thing to do to, to go vegan and not eat animal products. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to live my values generally, right. you know, being more vocal about respecting people, especially with everything that went on last year um, with all the, you know, the police killings and everything else. I'm much more vocal about that stuff. Now my, my values are more present in everything I do. And it's, that's important to me. And I, I feel that this is the right thing to do for a lot of different reasons. Did you experience a, uh, and maybe it was just what you're saying is like that, that last time you made the late night Wendy's run, but did you experience a rock bottom? Because um, I did. And mine was assuming for years that it would all be fine when I had my first child, because mm. obviously it'll kick in when I have my first child. And I will clearly change my ways. It'll be easy uh, because I'll have this motivation. And when it didn't happen, that was my rock bottom. When I went, holy shit, not even that made me change. Like, who yeah. am I? What? That was my rock bottom. That's tough. Um, you know, I don't think it was one specific. Um, it's what, what's what's the classic saying? I, I've never gone through any programs, so I, I'm I may be misquoting this, uh, but it's the wherever you go, there you are kind of thing. I forget the exact quote. It's, I think that's from one of the, you know, 12 step programs, you know, it's wherever you go, there you are. You're always there. doesn't matter what changes around you. You're still there. And that's been the truth the whole way. I'm a different version of myself than I was when I was younger. Uh, but I'm the same person, just more articulate and more vocal <laughs> about everything. But really it was, uh, like I mentioned, the job I'd been working on was stressful. Uh, it was really difficult and we, you know, we had a, we had a great team and we made a lot, we did a lot of great things, but it was really stressful and I wasn't handling it well. Um, the stress was hitting me. I was burning out and I was compensating with, um, with just, you know, housing, you know, full Debella's uh, subs yeah. and with cookie with something after and every night. And it just, it felt everything was out of control in a way that I needed to control something that I felt good about. And it was, it was out of necessity because I was, I was falling apart in a way that was like, I couldn't go on. Not in any, like, again, not in any clinical way, not in any, like, this was, you know, I don't have any of those, you know, ideations or anything like that. It wasn't like that. It just, I was just done. I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and I, again, I had edged in that direction for a while, but it was just, I couldn't do it anymore. So I just stopped and I made a plan and I started, I went to the doctor for the first time in three years three or four years, um, and started talking to the doctor, uh, started, you know, I had a plan. I, it's not like I didn't know how to plan. I knew how to plan. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew why I wanted to do it. I didn't need the doctor to tell me I was right, but right. I needed support. And that's the hardest thing for me to do is ask for support because I always feel like I can do it on my own. Yeah. I, I, I have a similar, there's a lot of similarities in your story that I hear for myself. That was one of my things was I went to the doctor and I had this horrific blood pressure 
And the doctor had said, look, if you were eight points higher, uh, I'm required to send you to the hospital. <laughs> I mean, I was that close regarding my blood pressure. And so it was, I'm on medication now. I'm, I'm peeing like crazy because it's trying to take water weight off. It's actually working. I am kind of accidentally losing weight fast, but the water weight is one thing that comes off with that pill. The fat, obviously that part's on me and it's going well. It's a couple weeks in, but it's going well so far. I, I hope I can stick with it. I, I think it's, I think that this idea in my head of not depriving myself of anything is maybe where the key is going to be. That's the one thing, you know, if you say what's different this time, the one thing is I'm saying, I'm not saying I'm not going to eat pizza ever again. Cause those old diets, it was like, you'll never eat pizza again. It's like, you can't fucking survive without eat pizza for yeah. the rest of your life. You know? So I'm just going like, look, instead of the once a week, entire pizza, it's going to be the <laughs> once every six weeks and maybe it's three or four slices, you know? Yeah. I, I think I, I struggled. Yeah, I struggle with the perfection part of it um, because I look at the decisions that I'm making and I struggle with the fact that I know there's a better decision to be made, yeah. but sometimes I can't make the good decision. And it bugs me because I, it's not like I don't, I know exactly what I should be doing. And I could, I could write it all down. I could explain to you everything, why I should be doing what I'm doing, but it doesn't matter when it comes to, Oh God, I'm dead at the end of the day. I just need to eat something or else I'm not going to, uh, you know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's that part of it where you're, you're just exhausted and you're done and you just want to eat, to eat and eat and eat. Yeah. <laughs> You know, what was, it's, what was so stressful about that job in Milwaukee? I, I understand it's it's uh, almost definitely proprietary, and but was yeah. it just the complexity of this particular line you were building? Or yeah, it was yeah. it was difficult. Um, yeah, not to go into details because it's it's right. It was a lot, and I didn't know how to ask for more help earlier. Um, I should have asked for more help earlier, and it would have been better. You know, it's not like there wasn't support available to me, but. Again, it's that languishing with your own, like, oh yeah, I need to be able to do this on my own and not ask for help. Um, right, right. You, you felt like you felt like I, sh I've been put in charge of this project. I should do this entire thing, right? Is that how you yes. felt? And then, and then you start realizing a few months in, you're like, oh shit, I need help here. Yeah, and that that was and it. Then but it's it harder was, to ask, and then it's it harder, right? Yeah, it, it's much harder. And you know, I that's I'm just finishing up with that, and I started that in September of. 2018. Um, yeah, so it's been, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a long haul and, you know, COVID extended everything, of course, and all that stuff. But yeah, it's, it was a lot. And, you know, I learned a lot of good lessons from that job, hard lessons on how to be better in a lot of different ways. But I think what the biggest lesson it taught me was to be more open and more you be, be willing to talk about your shortcomings in a way that doesn't, it shouldn't reflect negatively on you to talk about your shortcomings, especially if you're taking real lessons from it and trying to be better. Right. Right. I, I, it's hard to talk about shortcomings. My wife loves talking about mine. So I put her in charge a lot of times <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> um, we, uh, do you know anything about food packaging lines? I'm getting one installed in about a month. You want to come out and supervise a couple hours and just see if there's any red flags. I mean, one, I don't know I would, enough. 
one, I would love to do that. All um, right. <laughs> because I'm, I find, you know, the different angles on lines are really interesting. Um, but no one, I would love to do that and right. take a look at that. Um, just, just out of my own self-interest more than anything else. Um, yeah. Well, one thing that scares me about it is, you know, not knowing exactly what I'm, th- you just, when you're in my position, right. And my strengths as an entrepreneur are not the technical side. I am not the guy who goes in and monkeys with equipment. It is just not me. I don't know. So I have to put a lot of faith in the people I'm hiring to do that for me. And, you know, I don't know them at the end of the day. I know you. So maybe if you popped in for a couple of hours and just saw if there was any major red flags during installation, that might actually, you know, that'd be kind of cool. No, I mean, that one, that would be great. And two, I, to be honest, I agree with you completely. I'm not the technical expert. I am it's one of those skills you develop over time. And I think this is what you'll likely find now that you're doing this over time is you're not the technical expert, but you know how to speak the language of the technical Hmm. and ask the right questions about the technical. Like you're never going to be the technical expert and that's fine. That's, that's not a problem. Um, (laughs) that's not about you, but it's, just not your, not the mentality, right? You're yeah, no, it's not. It's, it's how to identify when to ask the question about the technical and understand that the other person knows what they're doing. And that that's the, that's the skill that's important from, you know, the, the level we're talking about is how to, how to know how to ask the right questions. So what is the, the other half of your life, the not day job part the food Mm. part how has that changed in the last year because you know you were a guy who was you know about town if you will you were about town and now you're not about town you can't be about town so like what happened for you for the last year as the food guy and not really being able to to kind of be the the food guy in the same way that you were i mean you still are but it changed right yeah really really difficult um uh, just to, I'm going to throw in the mid, the mid podcast, uh, plug right now. <laughs> so this is the mid podcast plug for curate. Cause it's, uh, I kind of stumbled on that in the beginning. Um, well, you so, didn't know you were on a podcast yet. This douchebag interviewing you was just started talking about pooping and you're like, what the hell is going on? I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. By the way, this, uh, I'm telling everybody this uh, now, if you've gotten this far, what I'm going to do after is I'm going to record the intro plug that Paul's going to put at the beginning of this episode All because, right. because we started awkwardly, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to record it on my own system and send him my initial plug at the start. And then we'll plug at the end. I'm not going to plug now. Well, <laughs> I ripped, you know, the, the awkward start, I actually ripped off the idea from Mark Marin of having, I heard him talk about it once. It might actually, I think it was on the brother Weed show Yeah, yeah. where he talked about that. He just starts his conversations with people and then he's got, you know how Mark Marin has just like a 15 second. So that music almost forgives the awkward start yeah. <laughs> because you can just kind of come into the fade out of the music. And so that's kind of, I do the same thing now. I rip that idea. I do the music and then we just start talking out of the fade out of the music and it kind of forgives the awkward beginnings. You know? Oh yeah. No, I don't, I don't mind it all. <laughs> yeah. Cause like in radio was more clear. It was like, welcome back radio 95 one. Yeah. And you know, listen to me. I still got the radio stupid douchebag voice, but, uh, but you know, in podcasting, it's a lot harder to be like, and we're starting now. <laughs> yeah. This feels yeah, awkward yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to get back to your question, um, I, yeah. it's been difficult because a lot of my random social interactions, what I love the most about 
going out wasn't, you know, I loved the food going out, but I loved sitting at the bar and talking to, talking to the bartender, talking to the chef, talking to different people, talking to the random people next to me, having those random conversations was one of my favorite things to do. And that's what I miss the most right now is, yeah, I, I just don't have that. Um, and just having that like, oh, Friday, you know, we're, we're going to go out to one of our favorite places. We're going to hang out. We're going to bounce to two or three spots, talk to some people, have some good laughs, and then come home. That was awesome. I loved that. Um, I've sort of compensated by going back to some of my roots and how I started in this is I'm a, I'm a nerd and I've started like randomly going through different genres of food and cat cataloging, which ones I think are good and ranking them. <laughs> so, uh, when I was transitioning into the vegan thing at some point I started, I think it was in the pandemic actually, but I started going to every place that made a falafel pita here in Rochester. I think I went to over a dozen. Wow. Um, and then I started mentally cataloging which ones I thought were good and which ones I didn't enjoy. Uh, so I think I've been to like 10 or 12 different places of all different backgrounds, which Did is another thing I love. That? Do What's you that? publish that at, at all? Do you go public with your thinking and, and how do you handle the, you know, numbers 11 and 12 on the list of 12? Which is why I never really, I never published it, but now I can, you know, I can conclusively say which ones I think are really good. <laughs> right. That's the way to do it. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it also forced me to go to places I've never been before and to ask questions about all the different backgrounds, uh, because by and large people lump that kind of cuisine into one, you know, word, you know, they'll call it, you know, middle Eastern cuisine or Mediterranean cuisine, which I don't like. Um, you know, it's more of the Levantine region, but it's each of those different countries has a little bit of a different twist on the same things. And what I love doing is asking that question, like, oh, what, what is your background? Not in a like, hey, where are you from kind of thing. But like, I'm genuinely interested that, you know, the, you know, the, the Chortki people uh, who I believe have a Persian background, uh, the place out in Gates, uh, Levantine Kitchen, which they have a Syrian background, if I remember correctly. And I apologize if I mess any of these up. Um, cedar, which has a, a Lebanese background, um, you know, before like a Ashavi up on Ridge that has a Turkish background, uh, the places that, you know, places that have an Israeli background, all different. And we lump them all into one. And it's something that we generally do a bad job about understanding that, you know, like, Hey, we can't lump all these people together. That, that's a ridiculous thing to do. Oh, there's a Palestinian place um, that's on uh, that's on uh, Monroe. So it's like all these different cultures boil down into a similar food that's that we can all ask and learn more about by going and asking questions. And that that's like that kind of started to build my excitement about doing this again when I was so down about you know being home and you know doing all uh, that stuff. How do you actually, you said Persians, and it reminds me, one of my favorite quotes from any movie ever was in the movie 300, when the giant Persian military is about to fight the 300 Spartans, and they're like, Spartans, put down your weapons, and then Gerard Butler kind of giggles, and he goes, 
Persians, come and get them. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like ready to go to war with them. You know, how do you find a Palestinian restaurant in Rochester? Can I Google that? Like, where do you get the knowledge that you have about these places even existing? Well, I don't know if it's like if it was obvious. I think it's El Petra, by the way, on Monroe near the Little Caesars. Um, so it's I didn't know it was Palestinian going into it. I knew they served falafel. So for me, I knew that it ranged around all those different, you know, all the different countries of that region. So usually those places don't publicize it because either people are, mm, uh, all right, there's no good way of saying it. Uh, people, people are prejudging different cultures based on their understanding of them. And most people do a really bad job. At no understanding Americans. I know, right? No. And for lack of a better way of saying it, you know, there's a lot of people are prejudging. They're, you know, they're doing bad things about prejudging people and not learning about the actual cultures and the people that came here trying to do great things, uh, owning their own small businesses, doing all that stuff. And most places actually don't say what country their food's from. Uh, a lot of mm. these places don't say what country they're from. Um, it's hidden. Sometimes you can find a little bit of information on it, but it's not publicized. Uh, and I, I'm just genuinely interested. So when I go in, I try to learn a little bit and usually they'll have one or two dishes that are a little bit different, uh, on the menu. That'll give you a hint, uh, that they're from, uh, you know, where, where their background may lay. Oh, uh, Egyptian. There's an Egyptian place in Victor. Uh, awesome. El Basha. Oh God, I would love to. Oh, I know. Okay, I know that. Place. Invictor, yeah. But that's, again, uh, like, you yeah. know that place exists. Yeah, I didn't know. You didn't know Egyptian. they were Egyptian? <laughs> no. Um, no. But the, again, I, I don't. notice they kind of walk like Egyptians. I didn't. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's only bangles on repeat. <laughs> you know, um, you you mentioned that Little Caesars on Monroe. Yeah. I made a, I made a bad decision at that Little Caesars once. <laughs> I think every decision there is a bad decision. <laughs> I had been, you know, our radio station used to be right downtown and I had been doing one of those diets. It was the diet of the moment. It was the 500 calorie a day diet, but we're going to give you all these supplements so you won't be hungry diet. Hold on a second. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to cover my mouth and say something, you know, quiet into the microphone. Okay. It's not a diet. It's called starving yourself yes, until okay. you can't handle it anymore. Okay, so I do this thing, and the, and the doctor is is uh, he tells me he goes, you know, day one you're going to be hungry, but by day two your body is going to kick in. These supplements will kick in. You're not going to be hungry anymore. So you know, day two I wake up, I'm fucking starving, yeah. And I text the doctor, and he's like, Ugh, occasionally it takes until day three. So day three I wake up and I am starving. And he texts me back and he goes, in the rarest of circumstances, it can take you until day four. Hang in there. So I hang in there for day three. I wake up on day four and I am starving. And I text him and he's like, the absolute rarest of circumstances is five and at that point when i saw that text i just went fuck this i left work drove right down Monroe avenue pulled right into that little caesar's drive-thru and ate an entire pizza in that parking lot because in the last like four days i had eaten a total of two thousand calories yeah no it's 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 a ridiculous premise and i i'll put doctor in quotes i don't it's not smart it doesn't make sense except for in the most extreme cases 
you know, to do those huge deprivation diets where basically you're going to die within months unless you go down, you know, dramatically in weight. Mm -hmm. Um, it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. It never works long-term and it's, it, it just doesn't, it's, it's not good. It doesn't make anybody feel good about themselves. It's basically how do you torture yourself until you look slightly better and then crash right back to where you were. You're torturing yourself right, that's, instead that's of, yeah, you're describing the way I dieted for the last two diets I went on is tortured myself until I looked a little better and then crashed right back into where I had started. Yeah. yeah that's and exactly. Yeah. Like I can't, I can, I can say that I've done, you know, I've done times where I was doing two hours in the gym, five days a week. Um, and it never, you can't keep that up. You, you can't make that work long-term. Um, and you know, I feel, I feel much better about where I'm at now. I don't need, by the way, we just pivoted around the whole food question, uh, back to us hating ourselves and, um, <laughs> trying to hate ourselves less. Um, so back to the, back to the food, uh, point, uh, the rest of it is, you know, now trying to support, uh, small businesses in Rochester, with, um, with my own dollars, um, especially minority owned businesses trying to buy from those that, you know, make food that I can eat, um, which isn't all of them anymore. You know, it's hard for me to go to my favorite, you know, Puerto Rican places or Jamaican places and stuff like that and support them. Cause I don't, you know, I'll buy some stuff for the wife, but you know, I can't eat that stuff anymore. Um, which is fine. Um, but that kind of also spurred some creativity on, uh, our team, the, the frankly team in trying something new. Um, we were, um, frankly, a startup that we were doing in Rochester with trying to do transparency and sourcing and distribution. Uh, you know, Paul's, uh, Paul used that to show where you can buy his sauce in stores on his website, which, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's a great tool, but restaurants are not in a position right now where they're really interested in trying something new right. and, you know, trying to push transparency and push other stuff. And I understand why it's really tough right now. So you guys created curate. It was a, yeah. a, as, as we would call it a pivot, right? You yeah, for sure. Create curate, but it's a great idea. And, and I, I asked you this before you knew you were on a podcast, but <laughs> what exactly is curate then? Yeah. So curate, um, and that's actually what we've been working on too, is how do we, you know, how do we describe what we're trying to do better? Uh, so, we are a, uh, right now we're a food delivery service, but we are trying to bring exciting food adventures right to you. Um, what, what was the tagline we were working on is, you know, we want to help you enjoy that restaurant you've been looking to go to for three years, but you haven't gotten <laughs> off the couch to do it yet. <laughs> that is so perfect. Um, perfect. I love how you put that. So we're basically, we're going to work, we're working with a wide range of um, diverse restaurants uh, and chefs to design a menu for two people that's going to showcase a cuisine, showcase uh, the restaurant. And we're going to bring a surprise meal to your house. So basically we're, we're charging $40 um, and uh, we're delivering a meal for two to your house. And we've done it a couple times now and it's been, it's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed the process and we're basically the, the money we're getting to the restaurant is enough. So they're giving us basically 
the intent is that they're they're selling the food at close to catering prices. Okay. So we're not taking percentages from their food. You know, they can decide on their own menu if they want to sell something that's higher margin, if they want to do something that um, best represents their cuisine. They have the they have their own choice to include what they want to include in a meal for two that best represents them. Um, you know, we're giving them a set amount every time, but they're going to be able to make good money on that food, have a guaranteed order of right now 20 to 25 two-person meals all at once that we give them money, real money that they can take and put back into the business or support themselves and trying to deliver a cool experience for the people. And we're also looking for drivers right now because right now we're driving all the food ourselves. (laughs) Um, But we want to, for the drivers, we're going to pay, you know, a full minimum wage plus tips. We want to make it a win for the restaurant, a win for the person getting the food, a win for the drivers uh, and a win for us in the end. So if we can benefit the restaurants, deliver a cool experience to people and do all that all at the same time, it feels like the right time for something like that. You know, a fun experience at home. Uh, We're going to do pickup later on when people are more apt to go outside and pick food up. But it it just seemed like a perfect time for something like this. Okay. So then give me the logistics. So I love this idea. How do I sign up and is it, is it available every single day? Is it like the other apps or is it sort of like we're doing another run this Saturday? If you would like yeah. to get signed up, you have to sign up by Wednesday. You know, what is the deal there? Yeah, that's kind of what we're doing right now is um, as we're, so we've done two. Uh, we worked with uh, Marty's Meats for our first one. We worked with uh, Zometa Ethiopian for our second. Uh, right now we're on a two week cycle. We're doing it once every two weeks right now with the intent as we build up an infrastructure that we're going to start doing it you know, once a week, then multiple times a week, then bigger pickup options later on. But for now, uh, you'd go to curatemeals.com or follow us on any of the social medias at Curate Meals. And you can sign up. Our next one is on uh, March 3rd. Uh, When this comes out, it'll be open and you can uh, make a, you know, buy your, buy your ticket for that night. Um, and then we'll deliver within a usually about an hour window from um, somewhere around uh, six, so five thirty to six thirty. And we're doing it once every two weeks, and then shortly in March we'll probably turn to every week, and then hopefully multiple days a week or multiple deliveries in one night. So we're early, but we're so excited about it. Um, but if you go awesome. to Curate Meals, we built our we built our own website. Um, you know, the Frankly team's very experienced in programming, um, but. You know, we send out notifications when we're out for delivery. We send notifications when we deliver your food. Um, you know, the system has multiple payment options. It's pretty slick. It works works really well so far. We're, yeah, we're really I, excited about it. The website is slick. I'm going to follow you on the social medias right nice. now because I would like to be aware the next time it's available. Yeah, we're. Uh, I think it's a great idea. I love the fact that Curate was even available as a name too. That's like a great name. <laughs> yeah, we were we're really yeah. excited. It, it we were we spent a lot of time, you know, brainstorming different ideas. We wanted to hit the ground running. Um, like I said, this was that we did our second delivery um, a little over a week ago, and it really, really reinforced how much we loved what we're doing with it. Yeah. and trying to expand and do more and more it's it's exciting it's it's a lot of 
there's a lot of opportunity with it to be good to the restaurant industry. And we don't want to take, we want to give and make it a win for everybody. And that that's, that's the important part for us. And for me specifically is if we were doing another just local delivery service that just takes a little bit less percentage than the other ones, it, it didn't interest me. I don't want to do that. Meal, uh, the, the door dashes and grub hubs and stuff of the world are, are fascinating to me because I remember right at the end of college, I think it was, and maybe it was a little later than that. Oh, six oh seven, maybe my aunt in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania told me about, a. she goes, this woman has a great idea. She'll go to any restaurant you want and she'll bring it to your house. And it's called fetch. And it folded like six months later. And I always remembered thinking, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> and then a few years later, you know, it blows up and becomes the biggest thing. And it, it occurred to me because we started this talking about entrepreneurism. It occurred to me that being early is the same thing as being wrong. And that's, oh, yeah. uh, that's fascinating. It's just a fascinating thing that there's some lady sitting here going, I thought of that 10 years ago. But that happens a lot, I think. <laughs> oh, for sure. And I mean, there were so many different versions of you know, delivery services and anything else, you know, mm -hmm. think about the people that tried to record podcasts before podcasts hit at all. Oh, and yeah. nobody had the ability to listen to them. <laughs> no, right. It's so true. And now, you know, it. any, any, yeah. any guy with a, uh, with an iPhone can, you know, any person with an iPhone can make a, make a recording and do their own thing. So yeah. it's, we, we think it's a good time for it because, you know, DoorDash has now penetrated has gotten through to Rochester, you know, DoorDash and Uber Eats and Grubhub and everything else. It wasn't that long ago, what, four years ago where we didn't have any delivery services in Rochester. Um, maybe even three years ago where they didn't even exist here. Right. And now it's a regular part of everybody's daily life. And people don't remember the before times. It was not that long ago. It was like two or three years ago when we didn't have any, of these delivery services in town. None. Right. That's right. And uh, I mean, hell it was, it wasn't that longer when we didn't have Uber here in town. Was it less than five no. years ago? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Instacart brand new. I mean, really you're right. It was just a few years ago. Well, I, uh, I unfortunately got to get going because awesome. apparently, Me too. uh, you, I have also gotten over my, uh, proclivity to not shower so i need to go do that <laughs> so we're recording this in the morning so i need to go do that before i go into the world and you know be around other human beings to the extent yep. to which we're allowed to but i appreciate you doing this man thank you yeah i appreciate you having me on um and after after we're done or tonight i'm going to record my own intro okay because <laughs> <I'm> right. <laughs> i'm going to throw that in there you can put your music over it you can drown me out you can okay. do it. Fade me out, whatever you want. I'm gonna okay. <laughs> record. My well, I need you to teach me. This is a brand new platform you have me recording on. I'm excited about it, but I'm yeah. nervous because part. I mean, I can see it recording, but part of me also is going. Am I? Is this going to work? <laughs> you know, because I'm. It's I just hope the so. First time using anything, but I'm I hope glad so. You're recording backup on your side too. Yeah, I, I did start yeah. partway through. So if it if we lose uh, if we lose some of it, uh, so be it. But I think it should be good. <laughs> uh, try to improve okay. the remote quality a little bit. It's it's nice. I. I don't like recording remote, but it's right now it's the best decision I have. And hopefully um, as I get vaccinated and other people get vaccinated, I can have people over to the studio again soon. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Uh, all right. Stromy, food about town, curate, frankly, and automation um, master. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Boss of automation. Thanks, man. Thanks for all doing right. this. See you.